0: Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Before we get started, uh, so I just want to acknowledge that while we're here, there are a lot of people watching online. I say a lot, a couple of people watching online. Uh, But they're also making comments, so I wanted to share some of them with you. And um, so good morning, Larry, Sharon, uh, Cody and Jessica. Good morning. We miss you guys. Glad you guys are safe. Um, And Bonnie just gave us an update. She said that the place is packed at Wagner's Restaurant. So thank God for that, that people are, I don't know if it means packed inside eating. Nobody called the cops on them, but packed, like people in line to pick up the breakfast. So Thank you, God. Although if they are inside eating, you know what—that's all good for them. But um, uh, so good morning, Martha as well. But uh, Larry reminded me of something that uh, I should have shared with you guys, and I forgot. I know some of you may have seen the message that Robert uh, is in the ICU. Don't know a lot of details. Uh, just know that he has been there for a couple of days. Um, I've been talking with his wife, Lori, uh who isn't allowed because of COVID into the ICU to see him, but. Uh, she's been just giving me updates and the last update i got from her was yesterday that he was uh, doing better but still in icu so obviously not good if he's still in the icu so can we just take a moment before we even get started and just pray for him uh, and sharon asked us to pray for a family member of hers as well god we lift up robert to you just pray your hand is with him be with Lori as well the stress of having a loved one in the hospital and not able to be with them, especially in the ICU. Uh, And we, again, cannot help but acknowledge all of those who are dealing with sicknesses or whatever, in addition to dealing with it in this time of COVID. And again, we cannot help but acknowledge all of the hospital workers and healthcare workers and doctors and nurses and staff at the hospitals uh, that are taking great risks to tend to the medical needs of all of the people not just the uh people who have been diagnosed with covid so we just we just lift all of this up to you and pray this in jesus name and everyone said amen amen Uh, so uh we're gonna wind down uh this study that we've been doing on the book of acts kind of walking through um what christmas looks like uh, uh about sharing the birth of christ and this particular verse Um, Even though it's not from Acts, it's from Luke, has been our centerpiece as we walk through this series. And it's from Luke chapter 2, and I think we've shared it like every single week. Uh, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And the good news, uh, that's the word, and again, I keep, I probably butcher it if I tried to say it in the Greek. In the Greek, it's a word where we get the English word evangelism from. So it's basically saying, do not be afraid. Um, I am evangelizing, this is what he was doing, and, and sharing the good news that's going to be a joy for all people. And the entire evangelistic message throughout the life of the church, even today, is the same that was shared then. Uh, that 2,000 years ago in the town of David, a savior was born and he is the Messiah, Jesus Christ the Lord. Uh, it's the same message and we've said that this is, this is the heart of Christmas, not just celebrating the birth of Christ, but also telling others about the birth of Christ. That's what we as a church are supposed to do. So we've been walking through the book of Acts and looking at specifically over the last week and this week as we wind down, um, over and over and over again where the gospel has been shared, right, throughout the book of Acts. But this week, we want to look at where it's been shared during horrible circumstances uh, because there are lots of people that are like, hey, we're in a pandemic, right? We're not even supposed to go out and hang out with people and, and this, that, and the other. So how are we supposed to share the gospel with them? I'm glad you asked because we're going to talk about this week. that this week. Um, I'm going to put all the verses up here on screen because we're going to jump through the rest of the book of Acts kind of really quick but if you want to follow along you can open up to Acts 11 we're gonna spend a little bit of time there and then we're gonna jump through uh, a bunch of verses so in Acts chapter 11 this is what we read those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia Cyprus and Antioch spreading the word only among Jews so Stephen got killed stoned, rocks thrown at him until he died for sharing the gospel. And then everyone kind of was like, hey, there are more people like him. And so they started persecuting the church and all of the Christians, and uh, I don't know if you remember, but at this time there were probably tens of thousands of Christ followers in the church at this time. I mean, it was still relatively young. Uh, In realistic terms, you can take for every year that the church was around, you can go one chapter in the book of Acts. So um, this is probably about 10 or 11 years after like the birth of the church. And all of those people were still in Jerusalem and they were uh, primarily just sharing the gospel with Jewish people. So when they had to leave their homes, they left, they went to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, and they started looking for people who were like them right? Because they wanted to feel safe. So they started looking for people who shared their culture. If some of them were hunters. They started looking for the hunter crowd. Some of them were bikers. They started looking for the biker crowd. Some of them were in the medical industry. They started looking for people in the medical industry. They looked for people that were like them. But they still shared the gospel. But also some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So some of these people who had been run out of their homes, they went, started new jobs, bought new houses, got new apartments, uh, you know, got new roommates. uh, And the first thing they did, despite their hardship and their misery and being losing their homes and losing their jobs, is they went to other people and they shared the gospel with them. So for us, we're thinking, hey, we're going through a lot of hardship. You know, there's a pandemic, jobs are being lost, yada, 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 how can we share the gospel? And the biblical example that we have is that even during hardships, when jobs were being lost and people were being run out of their homes, that the gospel is being shared. Now, 2020 has been a hard year for many, right? Everyone can agree with that. I know we're in a church, but if you're not raising your hand, you either didn't hear me or you're lying because it's been a sucky year for pretty much everybody. And most of us uh, will probably have some story of, yeah, this happened or this happened that's either COVID related or that's, you know, the political division related or the whole, you know, racism, blah, blowing up thing related that we will share with people because that's just been a part of our culture. But you know what else is a part of our culture, who we are as Christians. So if we can go and tell people, yeah, in 2020, this happened, and this horrible thing happened, and this horrible thing happened, surely we can also share, uh, here's this awesome thing that happened. You know, here's, here's what God did in my life. Because that's what they did, despite the hardship of losing your home, your job, and being run out of the country, um, they shared the gospel. And this is the basis for the rest of the book of Acts. The rest of the book of Acts is just over and over and over people going to other places and just sharing the gospel. Now, I would be remiss in my role as a pastor if I didn't say that there is a cost to sharing the gospel, especially at Christmas. There's a cost to sharing the gospel because a lot of people don't believe it and there's you know the whole cancel Christianity movement because they think Christians are you know, hypocritical or whatever, but when you try to share the gospel at Christmas, people are going to be like, how dare you? There are even people that say that, you know, they're Christians, they call themselves Christians, that say celebrating Christmas is a sin, right, when it's not. Uh, but there are people, when you try to share the gospel with them at Christmas, they're going to be like, how can you talk about that when there are people dealing with this and homelessness and losing their jobs and, and, and all that stuff? Um, uh, let me share this with you. Mark, Berkshire and I uh, share a podcast, we do a podcast called Faith Responders, where we just talk about how people of faith can respond to things that happen in the culture, whether it be racial, political, whatever, here's how people of faith should respond from a biblical perspective. So we had Mike Granovitz, I don't know if you guys remember him, he's in charge of Faith Pittsburgh, Uh, we had him on the podcast as well, and even though we were talking about Christmas, we started by talking about the fact that how do you, when you're struggling spiritually, how do you deal with that? Because there's a lot of Christians who are struggling spiritually. Uh, Next week, I'm actually going to share a lot of the, because a lot of people have sent me questions asking, how do you do this, blah, 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 and I'll share that next week. But one of the questions was, hey, when you've been a Christian for a long time, how do you deal with when you're struggling spiritually? And it may be because of, like, COVID has happened, right, and that's kind of put a damper on everyone's life, maybe because you lost your job. Uh, It may be because there are people who normally, during Christmas time, it's hard for them. Like Mark Berkshire, he shared, loves Christmas. He talked about the fact that, yeah, we should rejoice in the birth of Christ, but it's a hard time for him because right before Christmas and then right after, he lost people who were really close to him. So every Christmas season, yes, loves Jesus, wants to celebrate the birth of Christ, but it's shrouded with that memory of losing loved ones. So it's not the greatest time for him. And there are a lot of people who are dealing with lost loved ones during Christmas season. Or they didn't lose them during Christmas, but maybe this is the first Christmas without them. Right? Uh, There are a lot of people who... um, they may just feel alone at Christmas because maybe they're not in a relationship or a relationship ended, and so they just feel alone at Christmas. And I can remember when I was in the military I don't remember how old I was, but I was just all alone, right? Christmas time came. I called my sister and I was talking to her on the phone. She was like, What are you doing for Christmas? And I was like, This is it. I'm, 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 I'll probably call you on Christmas because I'm not going anywhere. I don't have any money. Everyone else is gone. I'm just here. And she was like, well, we can't have that. So she set, wired me money. They didn't, they didn't have like PayPal and all that stuff like that. She wired me money. Um, uh, uh, I took a plane to visit her. When I, got, I showed up empty-handed with nothing but my bags and uh, thank you. And when I walked in, I was greeted with, you know, family members and presents and love because they didn't want me to be alone on Christmas. But there's a lot of people that will be alone. So this is a hard time of the year for them. Now, take all of that, right, and know that at this time of the year, suicides go up because of, you know, all the emotional stuff. Take all of that, and then think about next year. When added to that will be the people who say, yeah, I'm not a fan of Christmas because last Christmas uh, I spent, you know, it was like after 20 years of paying on my mortgage because of COVID, I lost my home. 20 years in, or or people who said, uh, and there's a lot of people in this category, uh, not a fan of Christmas because I couldn't even buy gifts for my family because I spent 37 years building a business, but because of all the government mandates, I lost it and couldn't do anything for my family, and even though I had a prosperous business, last Christmas, I was just paying out debts because I had no income. That's what Christmas is gonna look like next year for a whole lot of people. And so there is definitely, there is definitely, there is now and there definitely will be next year. There's a cost to sharing the gospel at Christmas time. People may not like you because they feel like you're not acknowledging their pain. People feel like you're trying to push your religion on them People feel like you're not hearing what they're going through. You're just focused on what we said this is not about, trying to get people into your building, although no one's doing that because of COVID. So there's definitely a cost, but there is also an overwhelming benefit to sharing the gospel at Christmas time if we do it right. If we understand that, yeah, people are hurting. But we have an answer that can help heal their pain, that can give them hope, and that can be a source of peace and joy, even amidst all of their sadness uh, and their misery. So uh, I'm going to jump through a bunch more scriptures. Uh, This is what continued to happen. Acts chapter 11, news of this, the the growing up and uh, blowing up so much of the church in Antioch, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now, only only the apostles and a few other people were left in Jerusalem. Everyone else scattered when they started getting persecuted because of Stephen. Uh, But when they heard, hey, there are people in Antioch that are growing, they said, hey, Barnabas, we want you to go down there. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. This is on top of the number that had already come from the people who went there and started sharing with everyone. On top of them, when he got there and he started encouraging them, a great more number of people. See, this is why we we, we spent so much time talking about the Holy Spirit. Because when people are hurting, the Holy Spirit can give us the right words to say. Because right? not, I'm not always the sharpest you know, tool in the shed, and sometimes I say things that may not be good or, 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 or just may have been inappropriate or that wasn't the right way to say that. But the Holy Spirit can guide us. And if we just are obedient to the Holy Spirit, then we could be the Holy Spirit-filled people that changes someone's life this Christmas, that gives someone the hope that they need that prevents someone uh, from thinking that their life is no longer worth living. And, and far be it from me to, to say that, you know, every one of us should go out and try to talk to someone uh, that's suicidal, definitely we should try to bring in professionals. But don't discount the voice of the Holy Spirit giving us the words that we need to say to be there for people who are hurting, right? So then this is what happened next. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Saul is Paul, who when Paul went to the church after he got saved, he went to the church in Jerusalem, tried to meet up with the the apostles, and they were like, oh, heck no, not this guy, because this was the guy who was putting them in jail before. So to put this in perspective, not to be so harsh, but imagine... Uh, uh, for me, right, I'm an I'm, I'm African-American person, so if a well-known KKK person who has killed black people suddenly walks in here and says, hey, I wanna be a part of your church. My first thought is, oh, hell!" sorry. <laughs> wow, sorry, that came out way too emotional. Oh, heck no. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to edit that out of the recording. Oh, heck no. That's not going to happen, right? And, and so that's what they were feeling. But Barnabas took him and said, hey, I'm going to vouch for him. And he's going to come with me and we're going to do God's will. And there are people who have some, we talked about this last week, who have some crazy past things that they've done wrong, where when they walk into a church, people are gonna be like, oh, heck though, no, I don't wanna hear from you, nothing to do with you. But we can also be that Holy Spirit-filled person who comes along and says, hey, you know what? Holy Spirit vouches for you, so do I. I'm gonna welcome you, and I'm gonna accept you. He brought him to Antioch, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people and disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Despite, again, this is the place where a bunch of people went who had hardship, lost their homes, run out of their towns, and the work that they did there made other people look at them and say, hey, you're just like that Jesus guy who used to go around and minister to people and help people and heal people. And this, this, is, this is what we want in our homes. This is what we want in our schools. Uh, this is what we want our lives to look like, right? We want, in our congregations, to people to say, hey, you guys, you're doing the same work. Now I'm never gonna get anything done because it's gonna smell like bacon and sausage in here. But uh, you guys are are, are, are doing all this good work, you look like that Jesus person, right? Speaking of which, that's that's, that's what we want, that kind of thing, the kind of thing that I told Brandon Wagner this morning, I was like, uh, I had this in my head. This, this name for Glenn and Stacy, like Gacy, you know how they combine the names? We'll, we'll edit that out, too. Uh, but this is the kind of thing we want, where, where people look at what Glenn and Stacy are doing, not opening their business to make money, uh, going out and putting their time and investing it in other people, and people look and say, hey, that, that's that kind of Christian-type thing. That's what we want people to see. We want people to see us doing things that make us look like Christ. And that's what they saw in the disciples at Antioch, right? Uh, Jumping into verse 17. Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue as was his custom. Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Paul, who used to uh, persecute Christians. Oh, Heather says, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Heather. Um, Sharon said, don't cut that out. Leave it in because you're human. That's not going to happen. But Paul, uh, who used to persecute, then the rest of the book of Acts, is him going to places, sharing the gospel, raising up people to share the gospel, and then going uh, and getting imprisoned for sharing the gospel. So uh, Paul, uh, they went through Amphipolis, and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue, as was his custom, Paul went in. Three Sabbath days, that's three weeks, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. This is important because the gospel message, the same one that the angel proclaimed to the shepherds, the same message that the shepherds went and proclaimed to all of the people in their circles of influence is the same message that Paul proclaimed decades later to every church he went to, that this Jesus, he's the Messiah. He's our savior. That's the heart of the message, right? He said some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So Jewish people, Greek people, rich people, poor people, all listened, all had their lives changed because of the gospel. And here's the thing, these books that we read The book, uh, First and and Second Thessalonians, we went through, I think it was a year or two ago, um, are, 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 they're not just books, they're the titles of congregations in cities where people went and shared the gospel to. They're families and communities and people just like our families and this community and people. And they're all there because Paul and others went and shared the gospel with them. Uh, Jump over to Acts 18. Verse 1 says this, Paul, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them. And again, this is a group of people who because of government persecution, they got run not just out of their homes, but out of their country, out of the communities that they spent their lives in. Paul hooks up with them. They become ministry partners. Because he was a tent tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. And every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So Paul Uh, here's another couple who's run out of their home because of persecution. And then they become a part of the church in Corinth. And earlier this year, we went through 1 Corinthians where we talked about being the church, uh, where Paul addressed all of these issues that come up in the church. And it was made up of people who were just, as Paul went out, he would share the gospel with them. And then they would become these congregations and they would uh, do life together. And then in Acts chapter 19, it says this, when Apollos was at court, now Apollos was the guy who was ministered to not by Paul, but by Aquila and Priscilla. So people that Paul shared the gospel with went out and shared the gospel with other people. And when they came across Apollos, um, in the previous verses, it says that uh, he had kind of like a different theology, wasn't quite on point. So they didn't bash him on Facebook. They didn't tell people, don't go to that church. They said, hey, Apollos, you want to go get coffee and let's let's talk about some stuff? And he said, sure. And they explained, hey, biblically, here's the truth of God's word. And then he was even more on fire and went out and served the Lord. And while he was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit and there's a reason because, and I had this conversation with someone online who got really irate and mad at me, and if this applies to you, don't get mad at me, uh, but we were having a conversation, he's now an atheist, and I said, so tell me, you're, you're proclaiming now you're an atheist, were you ever truly a Christian? And he said, yeah. And I said, tell me what made you think that you were a Christian? And he said, I went to church for 35 years. I was like, so what? Satan's been around longer than that. He's not a Christian. And he said, yeah, but the people, I was friends with the pastor, and the people who, and he used this word, not me, indoctrinated me, shared, here's what you need to do to be a Christian. I said, Satan knows God personally, but he's not a Christian. And he said, well, they told me that if I do blah, 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 then I will be a Christian. He said, if I told you if you jumped off a roof, you'd be a Christian, would that make you one? He's like, well, you don't get to say whether or not I was a Christian. I was like, you're absolutely right. It's not up for me to say. The only way to know for sure that you're a Christian, I can't tell if anyone. the only way is God knows because he puts his Holy Spirit In believers, so that they know that they are his. So, Paul comes across this group of people, and for whatever reason, something seems off. And he says, Hey, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So, he asked them, What baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism, that was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, and that is in Jesus. John's baptism was, hey, an act that we as humans do, we go and get baptized in water as a physical act to show, yeah, that that we're Christians. But that's not the promised seal of the Holy Spirit. And what, what Paul was making clear is, hey, you guys missed something, you did the baptism part, But you miss the connection with Jesus part. That's what makes you a Christian. And so on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. These 12 men then made up what is called the church in Ephesus. These 12 men who, who could have just been uh, spent like this guy, 35 years sitting in the church, but without that relationship with Christ, if someone hadn't come to them and shared the true gospel with them, they would not have been connected to God. And they ended up... Uh, As part of the church in Ephesus, and when Paul writes his letter to the church in Ephesus, uh, one of the things that he focuses on is the spiritual indwelling of the Holy Spirit in prayer, the spiritual aspect of being a Christian. That it's not just about church attendance. It's not just about being in, in the building. It's about accessing that spiritual nature that we have because of the Holy Spirit in us. And all of these letters we have in the New Testament are all basically just congregations, and they exist because people went out and shared the gospel. The New Testament church, the church as a whole exists because people shared the gospel, and they did it at great personal expense. Paul, uh, and let me just share a little bit about this again. Paul goes out, and he shares the gospel uh, and, and, and then the rest of the book of Acts from chapter, chapter 20 on is about him sharing the gospel. He gets beat up by a crowd in public at church. And after the, 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 the centurions come and they drag him out of the crowd, he stops and he says, wait a second, can I address the crowd? And you know what he says to them? He doesn't say you guys suck. He doesn't say, I have to watch those kind of words now because I'm slipping the tongue. So he doesn't say you guys are messed up. He doesn't say, you guys are not cool. He turns around to the same crowd that just beat him up, and he shares the gospel with them. Then he gets dragged uh, in in front of uh, the officials, and he says, hey, um, I know I could defend myself, but first let me share the gospel with you. Then for year after year after year, he's dragged in front of this official and that official, and he ends up in Rome, and all he does during that time, every official he's in front of, instead of, hey, let me make sure you understand, and he does say I'm innocent, but the heart of his message to them is, hey, let me share the gospel with you. And not one of those officials says, that's a good point. Let me let you go. He spends years in prison because of that. The reason why this church, Beulah Baptist, which now is Crossroads exists, uh, is because, and I don't remember, forgive me, the names of the two women who initially started as a Sunday school ministry to share the gospel with people in these communities, like there and there and right around here. That, That was their whole purpose is we wanna reach them, we wanna share the gospel with them. The reason why I'm a pastor today is because There was a church called Christian Fellowship Church in Virginia. And even though I was a Christian, I had stopped going to church. I had really stopped doing things that, you know, Christians do. I was doing things that Christians weren't supposed to do. And they sent people to knock on the door, not to invite me to church, but to invite my kids to church. Now, I say this today, it's probably not safe to just when people knock on your door, just send your kids out with them without knowing who they are. But that's what I did back then. And every week they would come home, especially Brandon, with questions after questions. I heard this in church today, is that true? I heard this in church today, is that true? I heard this in church today, is that true? And I was like, I need to get back to church and reestablish my relationship with God. And that probably would not have happened had they not sent people out to share the gospel. The heart of what we, as the church, are supposed to do is to share the gospel. So Paul ends up in prison. He's sharing the gospel with everyone he meets. He writes, and this is an interesting thing, when he's in prison, instead of just, you know, writing letters to governors and saying, here's, can you help me get out, uh, or I'm innocent, he writes letters to churches. Uh, One, we talked about the book of Ephesians. These are called the prison epistles. Uh, He writes the book of Colossians. Uh, which is a book that just lays out the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Uh, He writes the book of Philippians, which is ironic because the church in Philippi was started when they beat him up, put him in prison. He shares the gospel with the jailer. The jailer and his family get saved, and they become a part of the church that now, while Paul is in prison again in Rome, he writes to them probably one of the most encouraging letters in the Bible, the Book of Philippians. And then he also writes, while he's in prison, uh, a letter to uh, Philemon on behalf of a slave named Onesimus, because Onesimus had escaped, had gotten to know uh, the the people that were visiting and, and spending time with Paul while Paul was in prison. And he gets saved, and Paul's like, hey, Onesimus, you escaped from Philemon? I know you think you have your freedom, but if you truly want to live like a free Christian, you need to go back and make this right. So even while he's in prison, all of Paul's letters, what Paul is doing is spending time writing to people, uh, uh, saying, hey, here's what the gospel is, right? So it all started with this, and this is the amplified version, even though we read it in the NIV earlier. There were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on returning to Antioch, spoke to the Greeks, proclaiming to them the good news, the gospel about the Lord Jesus. That's how it started, with people who had been run out of their homes, businesses taken away, persecuted for their faith. And when they got to another place, they didn't gripe, They didn't moan. They didn't complain about the government. They just started sharing the gospel with people within their circles of influence. Because that's what we're supposed to do. And with the presence of the Lord was with them, with power, so that a great number learned to believe, to adhere to, and trust in, and rely on the Lord, and turned and surrendered themselves to him. So in the last few minutes, um, here's what I want to do. Uh, We're only here because of people like this who shared the gospel. We're only watching online because someone shared the gospel. We're only here in this room because someone shared the gospel with us. And despite the hardships of this year, um, I want to share quickly, here are some ways that we can share the gospel even while we're locked at home, right? Even while we're on lockdown, even while we're going through COVID and all that stuff. First and foremost, uh, give gifts that direct people to Jesus. I know we wanna spend lots of money and give the coolest gifts, but you can give, um, there's uh, these chronological Bibles that we've been reading through all year. I think there's one more in the back. Uh, Take that, give it to someone and say, hey, let's read the Bible together next year. Make that a great gift. Um, Shameless plug. Give them my book. I think it's a great read. Now, don't order it for them because it's going to take like four or five days to get there. But if you get them the Kindle version, right, they'll have it instantly. And it, it's, it's a devotional that walks through here's how we can share the gospel with people. Get them maybe an audiobook or something that will help them better understand what it means to to, to have a relationship with Jesus. So uh, one of the ways we could share the gospel is make your gift giving about Jesus, uh, but also share your story, right? Most of us aren't going to have big family gatherings. um, And if you are, don't put it online. (laughs) But uh, most of us aren't gonna have big family gatherings because of all the lockdowns and all that stuff. So when you're FaceTiming with people Instead of griping about all the bad things this year, just focus on thank God that God did blank for me this year. Right? I'm sure we can all think of one thing. Uh, there's been a lot that's happened this year. Best part of this year for me is the first year, the first time that I became a pop pop. So I'm that that's you know everyone. Hey, this is this is this is what I'm going to try to remember. Out of all of 2020, that and that I cursed during a Sunday live stream, other than those two things, that's what I'm going to focus on 2020. That's, that's, you know, lots of bad stuff happened. But next year, when I look back at this year, this is what I want to remember. So when you're talking to people, when you're FaceTiming with people, when you're texting family members and calling them to wish them a Merry Christmas, don't just dwell on the bad. Just share, hey, here's a great thing that God has done for me this year. And then here's the last thing, share the Christmas Eve celebration. We're not meeting in person, we're only live streaming. Uh, Most people don't want to go into buildings because they're afraid of COVID, Uh, but just just tag them in a live stream and say, hey, you should check out this message. You should check out this Christmas Eve celebration. Uh, We're only gonna have, uh, it's gonna, the same one will be aired over and over, but it's only gonna be about 15, maybe 20 minutes long total And most people can endure that and walk away and hear the gospel. So we're going to close. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And we're going to close uh, by doing something we actually started this series by doing. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And uh, if you have family members, the same ones who you maybe prayed for before, who you want to experience the love of Christ, just Think of them by name, and we're going to pray for them. It may be a coworker, It may be a, a, a friend. It may be a neighbor. It may be someone that just lives in your community. It may be the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Um, maybe the waiter or waitress who you used to see all the time, but now you know that they're out of work. God, we lift all of these people up to you. We pray not only for their health and well-being and protection, but we pray that this Christmas season, That your Holy Spirit would create a way for us to interact with them. And when we do, whether it be online, whether it be via text, whether it be seeing them in person, that you give us the words and the wisdom and the insight to share the gospel with them. God, it may not be an elaborate biblical, theological explanation of why you exist. That may just be simply telling them that we're looking forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And maybe sharing just how much we, 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 we are excited to uh, just reflect on all that you have done for us despite all the bad things that may have happened to us. God, we pray for that person by name, and we give thanks and praise to you. And pray that we all have a very merry Christmas. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen.